Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 1853 podcast of Monmouth College. I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing, and this is the 1853 podcast, a weekly program in which we tell you about the people, events, programs, and history that make Monmouth an outstanding national liberal arts college. And we try to get that done in about 18 minutes and 53 seconds. In this 21st edition of the 1853 podcast of the 2019-20 school year, we'll preview the Monmouth women's basketball team's postseason. It begins Friday up at Ripping College in the Midwest Conference Tournament. Then we'll spend the rest of the program chatting with Gary Funk. Gary is the director of a national initiative called the Rural Schools Collaborative. And they have their national office right here on the Monmouth College campus. Before we get into this week's program, a reminder that Tom Stoppard's play, The Real Inspector Hound, will be performed this weekend, February 27th through March 1, and that will be performed at the college's Fusion Theater, which is located at 230 Main Street in downtown Monmouth. Theater professor Todd Quick is directing the play. I caught a rehearsal of The Real Inspector Hound earlier this week. It's a very funny production with a very strong cast. Definitely worth seeing if you're in the Monmouth-Warren County area this weekend. Tickets can be purchased online or at the box office. If you choose to purchase them online, point your browser to monmouthcollege.edu slash theater, and that's theater spelled R-E. You can also read more about The Real Inspector Hound on the front page of the Monmouth College website, and that address is monmouthcollege.edu. It will be a bit like deja vu all over again this Friday for the Monmouth College women's basketball team when they open Midwest Conference tournament play at Ripon College. For the second consecutive year, Coach Kyle Wilson's Fighting Scots, who are 19-6 overall, will enter the conference tournament as the second seed right behind regular season champion and top-seeded Ripon College. They're also 19-6 overall. The Scots will face number three seed Cornell, they're 15-9 overall, on Friday night. That's right after the Red Hawks face fourth-seeded Knox College. They're 16-9 overall in the other semifinal game. The winners play at 3 o'clock Saturday afternoon for the tournament title and an automatic berth into the NCAA Division III Women's National Tournament. Kyle says it feels good to be back in the postseason for the second consecutive year. Yeah, it's definitely a good feeling, and um, you know it's always good when you're playing in the the conference tournament. And for us, it's um, it's 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 the expectation. I know it necessarily hasn't been um, consistent thing within our program in the past, but that's that's our goal each year to to play in the conference tournament and give ourselves a chance um, on championship weekend. Um, you know, but it, it feels good to be there for a second year in a row. Um, we definitely would have preferred to have been hosting, but we, we didn't get the job done throughout the regular season. So um, hopefully going back to Ripon this year like we did, it's the exact same setup as we had a year ago. So hopefully that familiarity um, helps our kids be a little bit more comfortable and, and perform at, that, at their highest level. 
Monmouth and Cornell split their two regular season games with each team winning on their home floor. Kyle expects Friday night's rubber match to be just as tight as the first two games, both of which were decided by 10 points or less. They play really hard. We're going to have to match that, that energy and that intensity as we go forward. Um, so I, I expect it to be a very, very competitive game on Friday. There's definitely not going to be very many secrets going into the game on Friday. So um, just probably fixing some things that we didn't do well the second time that we played them and um, from refamiliarizing ourselves with what they do and, and cleaning things up a little bit defensively. Um, and so I, to me, I think the team that executes better on both ends of the floor is going to come out on top. Monmouth has five juniors or seniors on its roster. Kyle says that experience has helped during the regular season and it should be an asset in the Scots' return to the postseason. This the senior experience, um, or not a, even our upperclassmen experience. You know, it's very similar team in terms of personnel from from what we had a year ago. So um, this year's been we we kind of say one thing and or introduce a drill one time in practice, and then it's it's just refresh for our kids. So it, there's been you know a lot more um, fine tuning this year than trying to get people on the same page, big picture. So that's, that's been nice. Um, same thing when we get into a tight situation, there's definitely a familiarity with, within our team, within our players, um, that they, they feel for the most part, pretty comfortable with who they're playing with and what their rotations are and what each person's strengths are, um, and, and what they need to do to be successful. So having basically the same team and that familiarity and that experience in our upperclassmen is, has been huge for us this year. Yeah, you know, we've had that one year of experience, so that's always a positive. So hopefully, that, you know, going into this this weekend, our kids know a little bit more what to expect. Um, I think that we're a little bit deeper in terms of the number of people in our rotation this year, so I think that's a positive. Um, I also we're, we're head and shoulders above where we were health-wise last year in terms of being healthy and not being nicked up. So um, health-wise, we're, we're way better, way ahead of where we were a year ago. So hopefully those two things, the depth and being more healthy, help us be have a little bit more success and, and can come out with two wins this weekend. One of the nice things about playing in the Midwest Conference is that teams play at least a couple of weekend doubleheaders during the regular season. Kyle says that helps prepare for the conference tournament, which requires a team to play two games in less than 24 hours in order to punch their ticket to the NCAA Division III Women's Basketball Tournament. Yeah, the, the back-to-back, you know, Friday-Saturday doubleheaders isn't really a, an issue for us. Um, we do play it twice a year, once on the home, once on the road throughout the conference season. And then we try to schedule one or two others in, throughout the non-conference schedule so that um, it's, it's really just a, a normal situation for our kids once we get to that. And, and they, they already know how to, you know, play one night and, and play really hard and then quickly recover and, and quickly prep for the next game, you know, with usually less than 24 hours. That's Kyle Wilson. His Monmouth women's basketball team plays Cornell College on Friday night in the Midwest Conference Tournament semifinals. That game, which is scheduled to tip off around 7 o'clock in the evening, will be played at regular season conference champion Ripon College. If you can't be in the town where the grand old party was born to attend Friday night's game, you can watch it online. And to do that, just point your browser to monmouthscots.com your official home on the World Wide Web for all things Fighting Scots related. Of course, the Monmouth women's basketball team isn't the only Fighting Scots program chasing a Midwest Conference title this weekend. So are the Monmouth men's and women's indoor track teams. 
They will compete at Grinnell College this weekend, and we'll tell you how they fared on next week's 1853 podcast. But you can also watch the Midwest Conference indoor track and field meets live over the internet. You just do that by pointing your browser to monmouthscots.com. And you can get live updates of all three events via Twitter. To do that, follow MC Fighting Scots on Twitter. For all of Monmouth College's social media accounts, check out the bottom of the homepage of the Monmouth College website, monmouthcollege.edu. This is the 1853 podcast, and I'm Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. The Rural Schools Collaborative was envisioned during an early summer 2014 planning meeting held in St. Louis. It was incorporated as a nonprofit later that year. It was formally launched in spring 2015. Gary Funk is the director of the Rural Schools Collaborative, which recently started moving its national offices to the Monmouth College campus. As Gary says, the Rural Schools Collaborative has a very focused national goal, and as he explains, the seeds for it were planted more than 15 years ago. Rural Schools Collaborative is a nonprofit organization that works across uh, numerous states, and it really emerged from work that was being done in the field of philanthropy about 15 years ago. And the idea is that uh, public schools uh, play a huge impact in the future of rural places and their economic development, and that we have to work harder to, to get public education and schools and teachers and administrators linked up with folks in the community development arena and also with folks in the nonprofit philanthropic field. The idea is to, to, the overarching goal of our organization would be to strengthen the bonds between schools and communities and, and to support innovative and authentic work and then to work for building towards sustainable ways to, to keep that good work going. Gary says the Rural Schools Collaborative is excited about locating its national office at Monmouth College for a number of reasons. Is we are going to have our national office based out of Monmouth. We've made some steps there. And we think that uh, this place is perfectly located for that work. Uh, we think its proximity to Chicago is very interesting in terms of funders. Obviously, uh, the Illinois ag base and some of the history base for the, uh, the history of uh, ag businesses, I think, opens up opportunities there. And so uh, the location and the, the viability of the funding streams makes this a wonderful spot for us. I, I just think that, that we had such great relationships uh, in this region. And, you know, if you look at the map, I mean, just smack dab in the middle, here we are. And, but I also think another thing about Monmouth as a community, which makes so much sense, is it really is a, a microcosm of what the United States is about today and, frankly, what it's been about historically. And so when you look at some of the businesses here and, and the way that they utilize workers from all over the world, and you think about a school district that is teaching children which speak as many as 17 different languages, and you think about the good work that's going on between young folks that come to Monmouth College to be teachers and the experiences that they can have working in a very diverse school setting, but yet right here in the middle of America. It's just, it's a really fabulous learning lab, if you will. And I think a lot of these good stories then are translated by other folks in other parts of the country into things that they can do. I mean, their situations may be a little different, but you can learn from the processes that are going on here in Western Illinois. 
A key concept embraced by the Rural Schools Collaborative is place-based education. As Gary explains, the essence of place-based education really is nothing new. Rather, it's more like a modern adaptation of ideas that have long informed educators' work to deal with challenges that rural communities face today. Yeah, place-based education, for those that are, since we are at a college here, we can get a little academic, really, I think, is strongly related to John Dewey, the work of Dewey. Uh, If you went back several decades, people might call it experiential education. I think it's a little different twist on that. I think the other elements on that is place-based education, I think, does have a strong sustainability current, but it's also this idea that students can learn in ways that, that are, are more meaningful to them, and then at the same time do work that, that instructs the community and impacts the community in a positive way. And so place-based to us is sort of the bridge between getting colleges and universities a little more focused on doing intentional work and also getting nonprofits and funders and community people re-excited about public schools in, in, in rural towns and in, in rural regions. And we believe that it, our, our sense is that the teachers respond to this very favorably. Kids are excited about it. And it's just kind of providing the pathways and, and the support to give school districts a, a sense that they can take these steps which are perceived to be different. Um, so that's, a, that's been a real nice spot for our organization. It's certainly a big part of our work here at Monmouth College. At Monmouth College, the Tartans program of the Educational Studies Division is connected to the Rural Schools Collaborative. Tartans, which stands for Teachers Allied with Rural Towns and Neighborhood Schools, prepares students to excel as teachers who are also well-versed in the distinctive aspects of their local rural communities, thus producing teacher leaders. As Gary points out, programs such as Mamas Tartans allow colleges to recruit prospective students earlier in their educational careers. I think the Tartans program at Monmouth is a great example of, of trying to work with young people that want to be teachers and get them to think about their roles in a more expansive way. And um, I think they do that here in, in some of the other places we're working by, not just deliberately discussing their their experiences but but having the future teachers be involved in a real broad variety of, of community experiences in addition to their traditional classroom work and i think that that i think if you were to talk at the with the tartans which is the the rural teacher core group here at monmouth college and ask them about their aspirations it's, it's, it's interesting. It's not just about, well, I want to be a good teacher. I want my kids to learn well. I want my kids to do well on tests. It's really, it really harkens back to community, which, again, goes full circle back. You can go into these communities and, 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 and work with people as early as, uh, you know, sophomore, junior, and high school. And it's a recruitment tool for colleges, so it benefits the colleges. And then in turn, you know, you can get young folk excited about returning to their regions or their hometowns and really making a difference. We're talking with Gary Funk on the 1853 podcast. Gary is the director of the Rural Schools Collaborative, whose national headquarters are located on the campus of Monmouth College. As Gary reminds us, a rural school has always been about more than education. It's also been embedded with a great deal of symbolism and meaning to its community. 
you can go back into the early development of, of rural communities and it's interesting how many places you know began with the school and some people say well they started with the church and the school was in the church but in other places the church is in the school and and i think as time you know went on and it's it's fascinating like in wisconsin and i'm in wisconsin quite a bit uh, where you get into the glacial drumlin region where you have these little hills and all these little little towns up there jefferson watertown cambridge at the highest point in the town is a school that was built, you know, typically at the turn of the century, the, 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 the real turn of the century for those that are old like me. Uh, and, uh, you know, those, those folks were making a statement. I mean, that was a marketing position for communities like, hey, come to our town, open up your business in our town, look at our school, it's, it's here invisible. So I think, you know, schools in, in rural places have always been entwined. And in the global economy, Gary says that rural schools are more important than ever to their communities. I think today, though, um, when you've seen the amount of agricultural consolidation that we've had, the loss of small business, the school may be more important than ever. I mean, in many towns, it, it truly is the hub of the community. And this other thing that people don't think about very much is, is we've seen uh, the number of opportunities for young people to return to communities and do things. I mean, public schools, I think in my mind, are often the very best infrastructure that we have left to get smart, caring, enthusiastic young people back into small towns. Um, you know, how else are we going to repopulate, um, you know, our, our community with professionals? And we talk about teacher leadership. Um, you know, at Monmouth, they use the term teacher visionaries, which I think is very appropriate. Envision a nice future. How do we get there? How do we engage folks? You know, how do we create a just uh, town and community for everyone that's there. So this idea of, of trying to encourage young folks to become rural teachers, but looking at it just not in the classroom role, but is that you've got an opportunity to go and really help build or rebuild a community in the future. In fact, it's not going to happen without you. I think that's a very compelling um, case to make, and I think a lot of people respond to that. Gary is also hopeful that the work by the Rural Schools Collaborative can help reconnect rural and urban America by helping both sides better appreciate their interdependence. And, and when you look at a lot of the mistrust between um, urban and rural today, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that those bonds have been broken and they don't exist anymore. And, and so if we can, through our organization, can rebuild ties with philanthropy organizations and with support organizations in Chicago and, and get folks working together back and forth, we think that is, is a really important uh, type of thing uh, for us to be doing. And we've got some early you know, evidence. We have a wonderful gift from the Grand Victoria Foundation out of Chicago, for instance, which is providing challenge grants to Monmouth College and other universities to support the training of rural teachers. Now, how cool is that? And, and, you know, that didn't just happen by accident. So I think that some of the work that we're doing, we're beginning to see, you know, rebuilding those bonds, rekindling those bonds. Uh, Forefront, for instance, has an office in Monmouth, Illinois. A lot of people don't know that. Well, Forefront is the collection of all the largest private foundations in Chicago. And that office exists today because of the work of the Galesburg Community Foundation. Those bonds are going to have to re be rebuilt if we're going to truly revitalize rural America. That's Gary Funk, director of the Rural Schools Collaborative. Their national headquarters are located on the campus of Monmouth College. It's an organization that you'll be hearing a lot more from over the next few years. 
To read more about the Rural Schools Collaborative, check out its website. And their address is Rural Schools Collaborative, one word, dot O-R-G. And that's going to be a 30 for this 21st edition of Monmouth College's 1853 podcast of the 2019-20 school year. I hope you enjoyed this program. Tell us what you think by firing off an email to us at news at monmouthcollege.edu. Be sure to put podcast in the subject line. Until our next edition, this is Dwayne Bonifer in the Monmouth College Office of Communications and Marketing. Thanks so much for listening. So long, everybody and have a nice day.